I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Morning. This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Shadow Rising, please proceed with caution. Kiss you? He said as if he had never heard of kissing before. Elaine, I don't want to promise more than... I mean, it isn't as if we were betrothed. Not that I am suggesting we should be. It's just that I am fond of you, Elaine. More than fond. I just do not want you to think that I... She had to laugh at him with all his confused earnestness. I do not know how things are done in the two rivers, but in Camelin you don't wait until you are betrothed before kissing a girl, and it does not mean you must become betrothed either. But perhaps you do not know how. His arms went around her almost roughly, and his lips came down on hers. Her head spun, her toes tried to curl up in her slippers. Some time later, she was not certain how long, she realized she was leaning against his chest, knees trembling, trying to gulp air. Forgive me for interrupting you, he said. She was glad to hear a touch of breathlessness in his voice. I am just a backward shepherd from the two rivers. You are uncouth, she murmured against his shirt, and you did not shave this morning, but I would not say you were backward. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 4 through 10 of The Shadow Rising. Note, I have not read past chapter 10, and Will is going to do his best not to bring anything from the rest of The Shadow Rising or the next 10 books in during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 10, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries, as always, from dragonout.com. Tom is busy forging letters when Matt appears, complaining that he can't make himself leave the city. Egwene and Nynaeve discuss the leads they have been given by their Black Aja prisoners. Moraine returns with Elaine from Healing Rand and orders the Black Sisters sent to Tarvalin for trial. She discusses Rand's plans and mentions a Turangriol inside which one can obtain true answers. Elaine and Egwene decide what to do concerning their feelings for Rand. Egwene and Elaine visit Rand and discuss the differences between Sidar and Sidine. Egwene tells Rand she is no longer in love with him. Elaine asks Rand to kiss her. Matt asks Egwene for advice. She tells him about the redstone Turangriol Moraine mentioned. Rand deals with the Tyran High Lords and thinks about the prophecies of the dragon. Selene visits Rand and reveals herself as Lanfear. A gray man attacks. Rand kills him, but cannot make himself kill Lanfear. Trollocs have penetrated the Stone of Tyr. Rand fights them, first with a blade of Sidene, then slaughters the rest using Kalendor. Moraine convinces Rand that he cannot heal death. We picked a long quote this week. We did. And that's because the whole thing was good, but it ended and started very well. It did. I also have to just say... We have an on-page kiss. We do. It's like the it's first, our first one. one. It is our first one. And this book is starting to be like, maybe I can actually give it a chili pepper on my chili pepper rating scale. The rest of them get bell peppers because there's nothing going on. If but there is a scene, if the scene I am thinking about happens in this book, you can. I think we're already in almost one chili pepper territory, which is like some making out. Someone clearly threw them. Like there's sex implied, or like about to be sex implied. We're we're getting yeah. We're getting onto the spice scale. It's getting more mature. Yes. Not that the earlier books weren't mature, because I think Robert Jordan does a really good job with like PTSD. Yeah. But this is 
like this they're not a bunch of kids out of the two rivers anymore one that lane's not from the two rivers yeah but there are so many different characters from so many different points of in their lives and even the two rivers people have seen some shit and now they're living through being full-on people outside of the two rivers yeah but I mean, we've had Rand had a sex dream. Rand had a sex dream, and then Berlin threw him, yep. threw herself at him, and then we have an on-page kiss and several yep. references to more on-page kissing. Yeah, I actually, or, I'm, I, this might not be the first one. There might technically have been one earlier between Fael and Perrin. It's not really. That's not like a kiss. That was just like a hey bye. Didn't they? I thought they kissed at the end of. Yeah, but it was just like a three. goodbye kiss. It wasn't no, no, like at the a end of book three. And he rescued her. No, he was dying. She was... Oh, yeah, he was dying. <laughs> I think she kissed his forehead, but again, doesn't count. Okay, yeah, no, that that definitely doesn't count. Yeah, no. Yeah. First real on-page kiss. Toes were curling. Toes were curling. Rand is, for somebody who has very little experience, quite good at it. I... Then again... I just have to say, Rand has game. Rand does have he game. He has a very specific type of game, and he's got the type of game that is one of my favorite heroes in a romance novel, which is super flustered, but very earnest, and somehow manages to get a really good kiss in there. Yeah. And, like, I am a huge fan of the interrupting some sort of monologue <laughs> with a kiss thing. Done, done well, you know, implied consent and all that, but... Well, in this case, not even implied, explicitly, she straight up asks for it, and it's funny because the lecture he is interrupting is about how he should do it. (laughs) He's just like, all right, fine. (laughs) So, like, there was consent there, interrupted her monologue, and then apparently it was a very good kiss. Because they basically spend the next three days doing that. Yeah, they spend the next three days sneaking around and making out. Which is which is fun. I like that See, for Rand. It's like, I think at least for this book series, it's especially like a one chili pepper rating. Okay, in the context of this book series, yes. It does get a little bit more adult in some places, or a little bit more, let's say, sexual in some places. I feel like this book series is going to top out at a two, though. Which is Which is closed door. Sex is implied, but you oh, don't really okay. see it on page. So there's there's one scene that I'm thinking about that is maybe somewhere in the realm of a two to a three then. I feel like it's still going to just be a two. It, it, it basically is just a two, but you get some it's extra like information. Chloe Lee's books for me are a three. That's a three? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right. This is definitely not a... Nothing in this is ever going to be a three then. So I two... Yep. A one I is... would hes- On that scale, I would hesitate to even put them at a two. <laughs> but for me, like, a one is, like, there's making out, but no sex is happening. Mm-hmm. But it's not nothing. For me, a bell pepper is absolutely nothing happens. Okay. So the first three books, nothing. We got nothing. We, yeah, no, absolutely nothing. So that's a, a ways in, although not all that much important, important happens before then. Setup happens before Set then. Setup happens. Tom and Matt talk, and Matt's complaining that he can't leave. Because every time, and this happens three times throughout this section, where Matt wants to leave, but then something comes up. He, like, starts, starts like, making out with, a like, a serving girl, or the lords drag him into a card game. Something keeps happening that stops him from leaving. And, like, he knows it's Tavir and shit, 
as it's happening sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then so when he goes to talk to Tom, and Tom's like about to open his mouth, and Matt's like, if you say Taviran, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pivots to, maybe it's because you don't want to abandon your friend. <laughs> maybe your friend doesn't want you to abandon him. Which, like... Which I, is still I severe. really like that we got that from Tom's point of view. One, because we don't... We, I think this is the first time we've gotten a Tom point of view. No. Maybe the second. It's the second at, at best. I think we got some in... The Great Hunt. Great Hunt, because yeah, then he goes and commits regicide. We got, like, a small chapter. And this is also... We got a small chapter. But it's it's fun having his point of view, because especially when he's talking to Matt, you kind of get this point this uh, perspective of Tom where he is really good at shifting what he's saying and kind of matching the things he's trying to get across to the way that the person is going to hear them needs yeah. to hear them because he was going to say to Viren and he shifted and said basically the same thing he's good at playing the he's game good at playing the game and, and that's what he's doing at the beginning of the section yeah he's forging notes to basically stir shit among tyrant high lords. Yeah, he's writing this letter that's that he's trying to write it from one high lord to a high lady about her husband finding out about them. Yeah. He's he's manufacturing an affair. I read it as the affair exists. He's oh, just see, making I, sure it's discovered. I read it as if he's possibly manufacturing some sort of affair. I wouldn't um, put it past the affair to exist. But Yeah, I think either is probably equally likely. Because then he's thinking, all right, now where can I leave this letter where she would have theoretically left it in a way that her husband could find it? Right. But that she's still trying to hide it, but he could still find it. Yeah. Like, where would she hide it that it could still be found? And we we learn here also that Tom is basically doing the covert part of what Moraine is doing for Rand, mm-hmm. where they're both playing the game. And he, he fully admits that he's he's playing the game that Moraine's probably better because she was raised in the Kyrianan court. The game of houses runs in her blood. Yeah. But Tom is doing it in his own way, and that's why he has the room that he has. Yeah, because he's staying in the servants' quarters. Right. It's got a windowless, tiny room, no decoration or anything, and apparently Matt makes quips every time he comes in. Uh, but Tom's like, I can't it to himself. I can't have a fancy room. I can't ask for a fancy room because I know Rand because then I can't help him from the shadows. Yeah, because then people will know that he's trying, that yeah. he's part of Rand's I think, posse. I think we're seeing full-on court barred Rand, uh, not Rand, Tom here. Yeah. Like, it's cool to see because we've seen, we've seen assassin Tom. <laughs> we've seen, and we've seen a lot of Gleeman Tom. We've seen very little court barred master manipulator. Yeah. Tom. And I think it's pretty interesting because we've seen some of the like eyes that eye style of manipulation and it's interesting to have a kind of counterpoint to that. Yeah. And of course Tom and Matt are a fun duo. I yeah, I agree. Because and when Matt's talking about wanting to leave, he's like you should come with me. Yeah. And he's like with my gambling skills and your gleeman skills, we can just like live it up. Honestly, with Matt's gambling skills alone, Although, can you... They're not really skills. It's just an inherent ability to gamble well. But, like, Tom's got the fame and recognition. He does. So, like, they can live it up in style. Not just because they've got money, but because they've got the prestige of... I feel like you can live it up in style if you have as much money as Matt can have. That's true. But he wants Matt... He wants Tom to be there. He does. 
Anyway, that's a very short section, and the Matt stuff is basically he wants to leave and gets told about a Turangriel that we learn about after Egwene and Nynaeve question some Black Aja folks. Yeah, that's really all Matt stuff. Yeah, he's not around a huge amount in this part of the book. He is around a lot more later, which that's is good. Cause, I like that. Yeah, this this book doesn't have the same oddness problem that the Dragon Reborn did. No, although it did have a very odd section. It did. There was this weird omniscient few pages. Yeah, and that's where like there's like a little bit of a time skip montage bit. But it's only three days. Yeah. And, like, it's it's omniscient, but not omniscient in a way. Because, like, e- each set of paragraphs are, like, focusing it's... on a POV, but there's no, like, scene breaks or par- yeah. or, or POV breaks. Like, usually there's a, an empty line indicating, this is a break now, we are now in a new POV. Or, this right. is a break now, now we are in a completely different scene. It's just paragraphs. It's just paragraphs on paragraphs, so it's, like, this weird omniscient. It is weird. I kind of... I, it, it felt weird when I was reading it, and now that I've read it, it I actually kind of, the more it sits with me, the more I like it as a, it, it's kind of like one of those episodes of a TV show where they're showing people doing things in the background, and then it's later. Yeah, it is kind of like the montage in a rom-com, especially like a, you know, woman moves to an island to restore an inn, and it's the montage where they're fixing up the inn right. over several days. Especially because it starts out with Perrin, and it goes to Egwene, and then it settles on Elaine for the longest time. Yeah. And it's talking about how Elaine is uh, kind of being a, this like third point in a triangle of Rand's political advisors, and she's giving him very good personal lessons about how to rule and also making out. <laughs> yeah, like in between makeouts as they're coming up for air, she's giving him a little bit of advice yeah. and then <laughs> And I like it. So so let's let's get into the Elaine and Rand stuff now so that we can talk about this. Well, I think we have to get into the precursor to that cuz it, it kind of lends it it leads the stuff with all three of them. Yeah. leads into it. Yeah. So let's let's pull back a little bit. We can talk about this this section because I I like it and it says a lot, but it does require the setup. So, the setup is that the girls are questioning the Black Aja. Uh, two of them, Joya and Amiko. Amiko is mm-hmm. stilled, so they're not really too worried about her. And she, they did notice that she's lost the, like, agelessness to yeah, her. Yeah, she still looks young, but there's a distinctive, almost like uncanny valley effect to all Aes Sedai yeah. that she's lost. And actually, Avienda is the first one to notice it, mm-hmm. or the first one to call it out. Yeah. Um, but so they're questioning her and Joya, who's another, the other Black Asha person who they kidnapped, kidnapped, captured, captured is the right word, not kidnapped. Joya has not been stilled and so is being shielded and kind of held in, in weaves of air. And they're giving them, the Black Asha is giving the girls contradictory things. Joya is telling them that they were trying to set up Mazrum Time as a false Rand. Yeah. Not even as a false dragon, but... Literally as a false Rand. Yeah, they're going to have him name himself as Randalthor, the Dragon Reborn. Right, to kind of sow distrust in the dragon. And then Elaine comes in and Moraine is pissed at Rand 
for some reason. For I think for being because this is right after she heals him. Yeah. Or like the next day, and so she's just like pissed at him for being so stubborn. And we get an iconic line from Nynaeve, which is, "We breed them that way in the two rivers." Yep. <laughs> which is a solid, uh, solid burn on Moraine and very Nynaeve. Yeah, it's very Nynaeve. And later, there's a line. Egwene has like a thought. It's like, yes, they we breed men to be stubborn in the two rivers, but what nobody says is that the women are more stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> two, two rivers people are hardy folk. They are. Uh, so they talk a little bit more about how Rand has to go on the move. And like the summary for this section said, we learn about a Turangrial that answers questions. My, I've started to like call it the the, the three question genie Turangrial. You know how you get like three wishes with yep. a genie? You get three questions with this Turangrial and you have to be very specific about them or else yep. you are either going to die or, or not get what you want. Yeah, so the Stone of Tear has a, they call it the Great Hold and it has a bunch of objects of power. Turangrial, Angrial, I don't think they probably have a saw Angrial. And one of them is this twisted stone doorway that you can pass through and you get the answers to some questions. And apparently the rulers of Bayin used to use it to help them stave Tyr off. Moraine notes, though, that there are two stipulations. You have to be really careful when asking questions that touch the shadow, which is wonderfully vague, and you can't ask something frivolous. But the definition of frivolous is different depending on the person. Like- yep. One person could ask a question and it would be sincere and another person could ask that very same question and it would be frivolous for that person. Right. It's all it's subjective, uh, which is interesting. I, I like subjective prophecy yeah. stuff. Objective prophecy stuff like we're dealing with the dragon is less interesting to me usually. Although I really like how they're doing the prophecies in the Wheel of Time because it's, again, we said this last time, it's descriptive not prescriptive mm-hmm. so it's interesting to see like okay these prophecies mean nothing yeah essentially which is a cool take on prophecy and it's almost the same thing with men's visions except i don't think it's the same it's it's definitely not the same but it's it's got that element of well what does e- what does knowing even matter yeah like it's gonna happen whether you know or not right Whereas uh, sometimes prophecies, like, you kind of have to know the prophecy in order for it yeah. to do anything. Which is kind of one of the themes of the Wheel of Time, which is kind of a free will versus predestination yeah. thing. Because it's it's hard to argue that the Taviran have free will. Because as much as they bend the pattern around them, they bend the pattern around them because there is a design for their life. Yeah, they aren't choosing to d- to bend the pattern around them. But then there are two other arguments that are easy to make, which are that nobody but Taviran has free will because they're just dragged along in Rand's wake, essentially. Wait. Like, who's to say that, you know, generations removed, Rand's presence ahead of time in the pattern doesn't dictate actions? Clearly, Tam finding Rand is part of the pattern. Yeah. There were prophecies of the dragon that said he would be of the old blood ra- or old blood raised by old blood or something. I don't remember the exact wording. But Rand's existence pulls strings before he's there. So it's how do you have free will when that happens? Or 
are people who aren't Tavir the only people who do have free will because there are no designs on their life? Yeah, I don't know. I don't like the free will questions. It's a lot of that's a lot of questions, and um, sort of unsurprisingly, a lot of this, a lot of these questions are shared by Dune. This is not a Dune podcast, so I'm not going to go podcast. not going to go into it because I could I could talk about Dune for so long. Please don't talk about Dune. Anyway, the prophecies are like that, and I like that the doorway, the stone doorway to Angreal seems to give subjective things, yeah, things that are explicitly open to interpretation if the questions themselves are open to interpretation. But underneath all of this information that we get about world building, there's all of this boy talk. A lot of a this lot section. Of boy talk. There's a lot of boy talk <laughs> in this section. This is where the Wheel of Time gets really character driven because aside from the Trollocs at the end, this is all character stuff. And so we get, like, Elaine talking about how she's now in love with Rand and wants to marry him, which is kind of like, since when and what in the Disney princess nonsense is this? Yeah. And she does, to her credit, at least point out. Like, I met him once, maybe twice. Now I'm in love with him. What is happening? And she's like, it makes no sense, but I am. I wish, you know, I I can't choose this. Could you choose to, to love somebody or to not love someone? No. And so they have, like, this boy talk with Magic Mom. Because even Nightmare, like, even Moraine joins in. Yeah. And, you know, says some stuff about, like, picking a man or something. And she directly looks at Nightmare and is like, if I were to pick a man, it It would not be land. (laughs) And Elaine's just like, burn. (laughs) But also, like, good job, Moraine. You're following the code. I'm assuming that's part of the code. I feel like it's part of the girl code. I'm not a I'm not a girl, so I don't know what the code is. Honestly, I feel like Aes Sedai are not necessarily like I feel like they're their own thing. I don't I don't know that they have that's a girl true. code. Mm. They do, it's just called the three O's. <laughs> I feel like the three O's override girl code. Yes. But she's not she can't lie. She cannot lie. So she Unless she's Black Aja. Plot twist. Moraine's <laughs> Black Aja and intends to marry Lan. I will stop reading and we will have to come up with a new podcast idea. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. Okay. I could I could that's not a spoiler. Maureen's not black Aja. <laughs> Gandalf isn't evil. No one but Nynaeve can marry Lan. Either Lan doesn't get married or he marries Nynaeve. <laughs> yes. She also implies that she knows who she's going to marry. Maureen? Yeah. She has a line, I know the face of the man I'm going to marry better than you do. And then she, like, walks it back. Woman. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. But she also has a good line. If I ever, it's like, should I ever choose a man? And I may not. It wouldn't yeah. be land. That's, it wouldn't that, be that's land. The, that's that one line. And no, I did, though, I did her walk back of it at least made sense to me of, like, if, like, I would know the face of the man I'm going to marry better than you would. Is her it was her point. Yeah. Which fair. Like. Yeah. But yeah, so we get a weird we get weird boy talk with Magic Mom. Yeah, and it's also weird because we don't get we don't get many humanizing Moraine moments. We've we, gotten like sword dad moments with Lan. Yeah, we but don't. But this is but the also, first Magic Mom moment that we've really gotten. But also, the two Black Aja women are just hanging there in the room as well. Which makes it even funnier. They've been deafened and they can't look at them. Yep. Because of the one power. But yeah. they're just hanging there. They're just and hanging they're there. Sitting there talking about Rand. Yep. They talk about Rand in a 
like, oh, Rand. And then they're talking about Rand in like a, oh, Rand. Right. <laughs> and so Egwene and Elaine come up with a plan. Yep. The the important things here are, one, Elaine is now all Disney princess over Rand, which she is a princess. I just have Anyway, to... the other thing is that Egwene has kind of come to the same conclusion that everybody's come to, which is that Egwene and Rand, no more. Yeah, and she's like, oh, but I'm not in love with Rand. No, not in that way. Not in that way. She's like, I do not want to marry Rand. No. And not because he's the dragon, but I'm just not in love with him. Right. So they come up with this plan where she's going to tell him that, and they go to visit Rand, and we get this detour of them trying to figure out the one power. Yep. Which we'll talk about later to speed up to the, the juicy bit. Yes. Uh, and as they're leaving and after they deal with the one power stuff, Egwene tells Rand that she's not in love with him anymore and she doesn't want to marry him. And he's just like, I get it, you know, based on who I am. And she's like, no, you idiot. It is not because you are the dragon. It is because it's I you. do. Uh, it's, it's me. <laughs> it is because I do not love you and do not want to marry you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> she says it and dips out. She's nicer about it than we're making it out to be. Anyway. I didn't read it as very... Uh, the, she I, tries to be nice, and then he just keeps being self-deprecating about being the dragon, and that's when she finally goes all two rivers on him and is like, no, you idiot, I just don't love you. Yeah, but and then she, And then she walks it back a little bit. He's and is like, also from the two rivers, so she's got to do that. Yeah, no, she, she's like, it's not because you're the dragon, it's because I'm not in love with you anymore. And then, then she a little softens just a little bit. And right. She's like, that's why I don't want to marry you. Right. Because it wouldn't be fair to either of us. Yeah. And he does get it at the end because he gets over it real quick. And he's Elaine like, being there helps. I, and he keeps, before she walks out, he is kind of like, I don't think I'm in love with you either. Right. He knew it. Yeah. She knew it. He's They're like, just saying it. And he's like, but I think I needed to hear you say it before it really clicked in my head that I'm not in yeah. love with you either. Because Rand was definitely going to be that guy who gets married out of a sense of duty. Yeah. And then stays in it and never complains. Yep. And like, he'd, probably he's that be, guy. he'd probably be happy, but not... Yeah. He would make himself be happy. Yeah. Because he's Rand. Except now he's going to get married at a sense of a Tavirin. Uh, yes. And he's also potentially going to get married to a queen, which is a bonus. Yeah. Or to men or to both, because Elaine knows she's going to have to share whoever she's in love with. So does men. And they're both in love with Rand. See, and this is what I wasn't sure if Elaine was the was this one of the two women of Rand's. Yeah, the third one can't be Egwene now. The third one isn't Egwene, but I am firmly on the not firmly. I am like seventy five percent sure that Elaine is one of the other is one of Rand's three women. Okay, we know one is Min. Min yep. saw herself. Yeah, so that one's like a hundred percent confirmed. I think the second one is Elaine. Question mark, question mark, question mark for the third. There are ten more books. She there are show ten more books. Any of them except for probably the last one. She might have shown up already. We just know that it's not. I know who it is and if she has or has not shown up yet because that's the podcast. I wouldn't be. I feel like just narrative wise because of his ties to the Aiel because they keep calling him. Like people keep telling him that he looks like an Aiel. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if his other woman was an Aiel. Okay. That would make sense to me. Interesting take. Or someone we haven't met yet. Or someone we haven't met yet. It's it could not Lanfear. It could be an Aiel we haven't met yet. It could be. 
There's a whole bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. <laughs> so many. We spent a lot of time with Avienda and Ruark. And that's yes. a, and Gaul. Yeah. Not like a ton of time with Gaul, but Gaul showed back up in this section. He did. But so, you know, Egwene dips out and just leaves Elaine there like they planned. And yep. it takes Rand a minute to realize that <laughs> Elaine is still there. And then he tries to be all like, my lady. And she's like, if you call me that, I am going to call you Lord Dragon. Yep. And he's like, please don't. That is that. much more of a threat for him than him calling Elaine my lady is. Because she's used to that. She is, but she doesn't want... She just has this moment, it's like, call me by my name. Yep. <laughs> like, she's just like, power move. <laughs> and it makes him really flustered. No, really. You know who... So, I just read Only When It's Us. Elaine kind of reminds me of the character from Only When It's Us. Willa. Willa, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Like, I, it wouldn't be surprising to me if Elaine turned out to be a little bit of a ditz. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. She's still a princess and is highly educated and can wield the one power very strongly. But I feel like ditz doesn't necessarily indicate that you're not book smart. Like, it just could be, you know, you just lack... You lack something. Yeah. Sometimes it's just... And I think in Elaine's case, the thing she lacks is experience because she's young. She's young and she's sheltered. Yes. She doesn't have, she doesn't have certain experiences and she will never have certain experiences. Her and Egwene are the same age, roughly. Yeah. And their experience... Actually, I think Elaine's a little older than Rand. No, Min's older than Rand. Yeah, Min's older. Elaine is about the same age. Yeah. Like, Elaine is about the same age as Egwene. Yeah. And yet lacks a certain amount of worldly knowledge. Right. But what she does know is how to make a boy flustered. Yes, she's very good at it. Granted. Rand just starts... Rand is easily flustered. He is. so endearing. He's been flustered three times in the first two elevenths of this book already. Barrelaine flusters him. Elaine flusters him, and then Selene shows up later, Lanvir, yeah. and is like, hi, I'm Lanvir. He's like, God damn it. Why and are then you so he pretty? stops being flustered once he knows that she's Lanvir. Very quickly, but he's still kind of struck by her beauty. But also, also struck by the fact that, holy shit, you're a Forsaken. Right. So he gets a pass on being flustered there. Yes. She's Forsaken. Yes. But... Back to yeah, the Elaine stuff. Back to the Elaine stuff. And he just starts bending over backwards to try to impress her. He's like, hold on, let me make you a flower out of some feathers. He's nope. like, no, that's not enough. What can I do? <laughs> and then, so earlier when, when they were demonstrating the power, they're like pushing one. They were incredibly dumb. Oh, yeah, so dumb. That just, Jesus Christ, trust Magic Mom when she says that the two powers can't teach each other. They did learn a little bit, and I think... In the sense of, like, helping Rand realize what he can and can't do in relation to the female half of the One Power, I think is helpful knowledge for him. And I think that they should explore that a little bit more. Right, but that is not what they were trying to do. No, they were trying to actually teach him how to channel, which is just not smart. And And now they know it's not smart. Yeah, and in part of trying to get Rand to do something with the One Power, he kind of loses control a little bit. And Not in necessarily an insane way. He blows his bed up. He like lights a table on fire. He melts all of the gold and silver in the room and weaves it into metallic cloth, which power move. And he also gives that to 
Elaine. He does. Instead of the flower that he couldn't make. He, he started trying to make it and it was like, it's not good enough. But then it's kind of like he couldn't do it anyway. Yeah, he was having a hard time. And he's like, I've done this before. I can do it. And she's like, I'm just going to trust you because you're my future husband. <laughs> and I need to trust you. Okay. That's literally her inner monologue. It's like, yep. I'm going to trust you because I apparently love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then he gives her some very fancy cloth. Very fancy. Which, uh, you know, power move. And then she's literally. like, you know what? Stop. Tr- just kiss me. It's fine. Yep. <laughs> he's like. Uh okay. <laughs> After he has like a uh moment. To be fair, Elaine is supposed to be very attractive. I get that. So, it would be kind of uh beflustering. Yes. To have that happen. Yes. And that on top of the fact that she's a princess. Right. Now granted he is the dragon reborn. But he's just recently been the Dragon Reborn, and she's right. not just recently been a princess. No, the first time that he met her, he didn't even <laughs> he know that he... fell off a, a wall. And he didn't even know that he could channel. Nope. And so that's, like, the dynamic that starts them off. But clearly they're on, like, equal footing now. Yeah. But he doesn't feel like they're on equal footing. No. And but he does kiss the hell out of her. Yep. Apparently quite well. Apparently quite well. And then they spend the next three days doing it. And the fun thing about that is, so we, we can talk about this. We've gotten, the, we've gotten the setup out of the way. We can talk about it. One, the fun thing about it is that the Maidens of the Spear are helping it happen. Yep, because the Aiel follow him everywhere. But the Maidens of the Spear are, like, giving her, like, notes to be like, he's alone right now. Right. Or, like, we'll hold off the rest of the Aiel. Y'all go make out in they're the like, They're, like, <laughs> coordinating dark corners for them to make out in. Standing watch so they have privacy. Yeah. And anyway, so what I liked about that kind of montage section is it allows for, without it taking the whole book, it allows for there to be an actual relationship between Elaine and Rand. Yes, but, and the unfortunate bit is I want to like Rand and Elaine as Mm. a ship. However, it's reeking of insta-love, which is one of my least favorite tropes. <laughs> we have gotten my favorite trope and my least favorite trope in the same 113 pages yep. from two different couples. Yep. And we've gotten also my least favorite Wheel of Time-specific trope, which is not putting Eve on page. <laughs> Stop having someone else tell me about their relationship. I want to see it myself. Missing Laniv is your is your least favorite. Justice for Tomas is your second least favorite. <laughs> Justice for or rather, Justice for Tomas is your favorite. Not having Tomas is your second <laughs> least favorite. I just I just need Laniv to be actually on page. Yeah, because there's there's a blurb in Laniv's in Laniv's in Nynaeve's <laughs> paragraph in the montage. And it's not even Nynaeve's paragraph. It's not in her POV. It's Elaine talking about watching Nynaeve go and hang out with Lan. She's taking all the time she can because they're going to go to the White Tower and then off to Tenshiko. Mm -hmm. That's where they think that the Black Aja is striking next. Some sort of artifact there that is dangerous to Rand. Nynaeve is taking the time in between now and when they leave to spend as much time with Lan as possible and is also cooking him... Home-cooked meals that she made 
And also is wearing only his favorite colors. Yes. That, that is, is that pre-existing, comes, though. That came out of Egwene's section. Yeah. Because she's like, I've noticed that all the dresses that aren't blue or green have disappeared from Nynaeve's wardrobe. And blue and green seem to be Lan's favorite color on a woman. Yep. <laughs> okay, Nynaeve. Go after it. It's Lan. We get it. Yeah, I'd, I'd wear only blue and green. Yeah. Whatever I can do to get Lan. Right? Sorry. And especially because, like, Nynaeve is her own woman. If she's doing it, it's because it's her choice. Yeah. And she is pursuing the hell out of him. And the thing is, is like, she doesn't, she's not doing it to get his attention. She has his attention. She, she already knows he's in love with her. Yeah. He's, she's just trying to convince him that it's a good idea. Yeah. And she's pulling out all the stops, but we don't get to see the stops. Nope. We just hear about them. Yep. Mad. Rip. Justice for Lanive. Justice for Lanive. <laughs> Actually, really, it's justice for me. I need to see it. <laughs> also on the ship front, Perrin is trying to push Fayu away. Yes. He is doing one of my other least favorite things that heroes do in romance novels, which is try to push the woman away for their own good. He's trying to find a place for her to go that isn't near him. But he's doing it in a way that's like, he's trying to make shit up. Yeah. He's like, I will make something up to chase her away. Yep, and... We've spent enough time around Fael now to know that that's not going to work. No, and then she's just going to get mad at him and call him like a wool-headed ox or whatever she ends up calling him. To be fair, how was that different than normal? That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But she's going to call him a wool-headed ox or whatever it is she calls him. It's not an ox. I don't know what animal she uses, but... I don't remember. He's wool-headed. Yes. Well, he's from the Two Rivers. They... They make a lot of wool there, and some yeah. of it gets into their heads. Yeah. He's wool-headed and... Except for Matt. Matt is not wool-headed. He's got... He's something else. Also speaking of Matt, in this little omniscient montage thing, he, the High Lords won't play cards with him anymore. He's cursed. But also, the women won't cuddle. <laughs> Quote. The women who are normally up for a cuddle aren't up for a cuddle anymore. I don't think that he's just cuddling. I mean, maybe some advanced cuddling. I think there are no clothes involved in the advanced cuddling. What kind of world would we live in, though? And I think it would be better if just, like, people could romantically cuddle often without having sex. I mean, I... Nothing wrong with getting around. But but, also... But also, like, sometimes you want to cuddle. Yeah. Maybe maybe Matt's a cuddler. Maybe he actually wants to cuddle with these women. After they do something else. <laughs> they could just be making out. They could be. Could make out into a cuddle sesh. Fantastic. Great. But he's not just like, hey, do you want to cuddle and do nothing else? Yeah. That's not Matt. It, it, it really isn't. I just, the way it's put. Yeah. He's not just cuddling them. He's not just cuddling them. Yeah. So there are two more big things. Celine, Lanefear shows up. Yep. Which is really kind of part of the other big thing. Yeah, basically Siege is laid to the yeah. stone again. One of the Forsaken manages to smuggle in some Trollocs. And there's fighting. It's not Lanefear. Lanefear has her own Trollocs there, though. And they kind of help Rand. They do. Before we talk about the Siege, though... Lane Fear and Rand do have a conversation. They do. She comes in, she's Celine, and he's like, what are you doing here? Yep. And she 
Here she's, she straight up admits to Rand that she is Lanfear. Yeah. She says some, like, confusing stuff, and then she's like, oh, by the way, I'm Lanfear. Pretty much. And she kind of scolds him for not using Kalimdor. Yeah. It's it's a very Lanfear moment. <laughs> it's weird. And he, like, says something about her wanting power, and it's a very it's confusing Lanfear. conversation. And then he tries to leave, and... Then he sees a bunch of Aiel men dead outside of his door. Yup. And that's when the He is... There is an assassination attempt on him by a gray man. That's what it was, yes. And then the siege happens, and the siege is over pretty quick. Uh, It kind of skips a little bit. He, like, organizes some Aiel and some defenders and starts moving through the... Uh, the stone. Fighting with his magic sword. Yes. Not Kalindor. And eventually he gets a little overpowered. And a Trolloc saves him. And Lanfear's there again. Yep, because and... she's just all over. And she's just like, you dumb idiot. Get Kalimdor. Now that, so- now that you've gotten it out of the stone, anyone can use it, you dumb little shit. Right. So he goes back up to his chambers, and he gets Kalimdor. And he starts fighting, and he gets a little overwhelmed even while using Kalimdor until he, like, snaps and lets out a crazy burst of power. Yeah, he just kind of hulks out. He very much does Hulk out. Or it, it, it's kind of more thawing out. Yeah. Because what he does is he channels, he pulls in an insane amount of the one power through Calendar. It's a sign, real. Yeah. There are only two that are maybe more powerful than it. One definitely is. One is maybe. And kind of crafts lightning that shoots through the entirety of the stone, striking down only Shadow Spawn. Yeah. And crazy targeted, crazy powerful. Yeah. How does he know how to do this? He doesn't. It just kind of happens. It just kind of happens. Kind of how, like how earlier with Elaine and Egwene, he kind of snaps and makes that cloth out of metal. Yeah. Uh, very similar. He's, he's so powerful that what he does on accident is impressive. Yeah. And very fine-tuned, impressive. Yes. And with Kalimdor, it's thousands of times stronger. Yeah. But after he does this, is a very interesting moment, which is, and introduces one of the few hard rules of the One Power, where Rand sees a girl, it's like a young girl, dead on the ground, killed by a troll. Yeah, random young girl. And he loses his shit. Not like in an aggressive, explosive way, but in a... I am responsible for this girl's death. I am the Dragon Reborn. No. And he tries his damnedest to, he, to bring her back to life. He tries real fucking hard. And he is kind of unable to do it. He's like making all of it work mechanically. Her heart starts pumping and the wound that she sustains starts oozing blood. And she starts breathing and she stands up, but she's not alive. He's just making the body do all of the things that it would do if it were alive through sheer force of the one power. Kind of like how he made corpses meal. Except this one I see as a little bit more impressive because it's easy kind of conceptually to think of just bending corpses the way you want. He's like making making this corpse's heart beat. He's essentially acting as like life support even though she's not alive. Right. He's he's doing all of the things manually that the body would normally do. And Moraine kind of has to gently, at first, stop him. Yeah. And be like, you're not God. 
you're very powerful. You're wielding one of the most powerful objects of power, but you can't heal death. Not even God can do that. Yeah, no one can do that. Right. There, um, is, there is no way that this can ever happen, no matter who you are. Yeah, and it kind of breaks him yeah. a little bit. He, he, like, falls to the ground, and he gets helped back up, and his wound is broken open again because it always does. He's taken some wounds, Maureen heals him, but he's just kind of, like, a little bit more broken here. Yeah, and it's interesting that, like, when he's kind of collapsing, he runs into, or when he sees the girl, he runs into Maureen in the land, and Maureen kind of has to stop Lan from just, like, walking up to him and making sure he's okay. She's like, yeah. stop. Because he's he's a little unhinged. And then when he starts to collapse, Lan is just like, fuck it. And right. Like, prevents him from falling to the ground. Yeah. So it's just an interesting Lan moment. Yeah. That, like, he doesn't seem to... He doesn't seem to care that Lan or that Rand is the dragon. But even in that moment, Moraine is a little afraid of the dragon. Right. But Lan's not really. And I think that's kind of interesting and maybe a flaw of Lan's, even. Like, maybe. not able to really disconnect the, the Rand he's gotten to know from the dragon. Maybe. And I don't know. I feel like that's going to probably... I don't know bite. if I would call it, that... That might bite some people in the ass later. Like, it it's a might... good it's a good thing, but it might also it's risky it's risky i would i would definitely at least at the moment classify it as a good thing it, yes i can see it becoming a flaw rand very much needs people who see him as him and not as the dragon and we have kind of like three groups forming we've got people who treat him as rand regardless of whether or not he's the dragon we've got and, and that's like Egwene and probably Nynaeve Lan Perrin. Perrin, not Matt. Not Matt. Um, then we, we've got people who treat him as the dragon. That's all he is. He's the dragon reborn. High lords. And yeah. Fael, to a certain extent. Yeah, actually, I think that's a good point. I think Fael is definitely in that category. Because she doesn't know him. She's never met him before he was known as the dragon. Right. Whereas everyone else, even in the case of Lan... And Tom met him before he was called the Dragon Reborn. Right. I think Tom is very much in the first group. Yeah. Tom is like, this is this is just a young farm boy who needs my help. Yeah, he and he's like, this is a young it's farm still... boy who can I feel like he might be in the middle category where it's like he knows he's the dragon, but he's treating them as both separate like he's treating them as both simultaneously. Because he the reason he wants to look out for Rant isn't because he's just a young farm boy. Yeah. It's because he can channel. So I think there are two things going on. You you identified the, the third group, which is that this group that is people who treat him as Randall Thor, comma, Dragon Reborn. Yes, both. Um and that group has kind of the most diversity in that we have people who like Tom who probably are in that. Uh, we have an interesting thing here with Tom and Perrin where I think they're they're both kind of in between groups one and three where Perrin is like, this is Rand. He's my friend, but also he's the dragon. Yeah. I, he's, Perrin is very much not at ease with Rand. No, he's not. But he's like, I, he's still my friend. I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And then so, like, way on the other end of group three, though, is Matt. Where it's like, it's Rand. He's probably not going to do anything, but I sure as hell don't trust that he's sane. And that's why I put him, I would call it group two. That's like on a scale of like only Rand, only the dragon. There's the middle group. So, I, yeah, I, I think that, that middle it's a gr- spectrum, though. Yeah. I think we have Perrin on the one end. We, Perrin and Matt are kind of bookended on that, right? Where we have, we have Perrin who's like, it's still Rand. 
where and we have Matt who's like he's the dragon though and we also have Elaine who I think is like the perfect middle ground so far I I guess well because she's treating him very much I think like a fellow royal yeah to a certain extent like she is viewing him as an equal yeah an uneducated equal but an equal and I mean she probably treat him as an uneducated equal even if he had been raised royal because he kind of treats she treats her she treats her own brother that way too. That's true. <laughs> she just treats men that way. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, and that's what you that's what happens when you come from a matriarchy. It's interesting that like the way that men typically act towards women in patriarchies is how the women are acting towards men in the matriarchy. Both yep. are a problem. <laughs> yup. I mean that's I mean it's a core theme of the wheel of time. It's like what happens if you switch it's literally just—it's literally just switching it. It's not fixing it. It's yeah. just switching it. Because the eyes and I, oh my god! Yeah, the way they treat everybody is like you're less than me. Someone who falls on the scale of I think this is Rand. Yeah, he's the dragon, but like he's Rand is loyal. Who have we not heard from him at all? No, we in haven't. This book yet. Where is loyal? He's in this book. But where is he? Uh, he's around. How has he not been at Rand's side? I don't like this is where is where is loyal? Where is loyal? He's around. I think we see him pretty soon. Okay. I just yeah, I didn't even think that where is loyal? It's not no. the same as where is Bella. No. It's like I know loyal is there. Why hasn't he been on the page yet? Right. Is it the same with all the Lanny stuff? That's <laughs> a different gripe. That I know I'm not going to get. I'm just salty about it. Ah. I have a legitimate question as to why Loyal isn't on the page. He could have easily been in one of those discussions where they're talking about Rand and his, like, he would probably be sitting with Rand trying to help him with his research. So, like, where is he? (laughs) Maybe. That's if Rand lets anybody other than Moraine know what he's researched. He may not be. Okay, it's not like the library is in Rand's room. Loyal is probably in the library and Hmm. wondering... Hmm, I you wonder think, why I wonder why Rand is carrying 17 stacks of books out of here. Do you think functionally the king of Tyr is fetching his own books from the library? It's Rand. Yes, he is. Do you think that the the like head servant would let him? He's the Dragon Reborn, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Cuz all those people are in the third camp of that's true. Everyone who just, like, this is the dragon. He doesn't even have a name. He is the dragon reborn. That's true. I think, unfortunately for Rand, everybody he meets, there there are no more people who are going to fall into category one of people who see him as him. And I think the unfortunate bit is also that I think as the series goes on, there is no longer going to be a camp one. Actually, addendum, or, or I think qualifying point to that, the Aiel. They don't seem to have the same reverence for he who comes with the dawn that the wetlanders do for the dragon reborn. That's fair. However, I feel like in the in the spirit of the camps, they actually might still be in camp one because they don't think that he's he who comes with the dawn yet. But once he True. is he who comes with the dawn, they are in 3A, which is... He is he who comes with the dawn. They think of him as he who comes with the dawn, not Rand. Okay. But how they treat he who comes with the dawn, yes, is different than how people treat the dragon. But yeah. it's still the same. It's 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 the same thing. Yeah. Just in a different flavor. Same okay. thing, different font. Okay. But 
yeah, I think the Aiel are solidly in camp one. Right, he's just some dude right now. Or he's, just well, he's not dude. just some dude, but he he's is. just Randall Thor right now. He hasn't proved himself to be he who comes with the dawn. Right. But that even speaks to my point more of I think as the series goes on, the people who are in camp one are eventually going to switch to either two or three. Okay. I think that there's not Maybe. going to be any hopefully all of those people in camp one switch to just camp two of acknowledging camp three. that Oh, no, like the people who believe he's the dragon yeah. and Rand. That's three. That's two in my head, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That it, makes, it it also, makes more sense. It is also two in my head, <laughs> but I said it third, so. It's now camp two. Camp two is the people who are like, yeah, it's Rand and he's the dragon. Yeah. Like, yes, and. Yeah. I hope all of the people in camp one, at least, if they, they're going to probably switch at some point. I hope they switch to camp two. Also, just because, like, you can't really think of him as either or. He is both. And right. it's unfair to him to not acknowledge both halves of him. It's just like a werewolf. I think it's not be... A werewolf isn't a man and a wolf. He's not a man 29 days out of the year or out of the month and a wolf on the full moon. He is always a werewolf. Yeah. And Rand is always going to be Randall Thor, comma, the Dragon Reborn. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think of the people we've seen so far, Lan and Tom are the least likely to move. They know what they're dealing with. They do. I guess Moraine is also the least likely to move, but Moraine kind of transcends category. Yeah, because she's got her own schemes going on. Right. And I honestly kind of feel like she falls into camp three of he's just the dragon. A little bit, in a, because in that's a very how, different way. In a very different way, but he's just the dragon, and that's who he serves in my purposes. Yeah, because I think everybody else in group three worries about him being or, or they treat him like some sort of super lord. Maureen treats him as just the dragon, but that's because she thinks, that's because she's trying to control the dragon. Right. Not because she's afraid of the dragon. The dragon is a tool. Not a person. Not a person. But same same thing, different font. Yeah. 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 Interesting stuff. You had, you had also said earlier that Perrin seems unsettled around Rand and I just have to point out, Perrin is just unsettled. Yeah. <laughs> He's just full stop unsettled yeah. about everything. Yeah, it's Perrin. It's Perrin. Perrin is easily unsettled. <laughs> Poor Perrin. He doesn't show it, but he is. Yeah. You get it in his internal monologue. A lot. <laughs> Perrin doesn't know where he belongs. <laughs> Poor baby Perrin. Is he a wolf? Is he a person? Is he a blacksmith? Is he a warrior? Yeah. He Who doesn't knows? Know. And he doesn't want any of it to be and. He wants or. Yes, he <laughs> and wants or. he can't or. have or. Nope. It's the same thing with him. Perrin's a werewolf. Perrin's a werewolf. <laughs> but, yeah, basically. I mean, Perrin is kind of a take on werewolf myth, so. Yeah, it's a take on werewolf myth. And I think Perrin's journey is going to end up being accepting that he is and, not or. He's a werewolf. He's, he, he has to accept the and. Yeah. Rand has to accept, and I think he's closer to being on the path to accepting the and. I think the difference between Perrin and Rand, though, is that Rand isn't an and. I tried to make that not not with that sound so often. <laughs> Rand isn't an and. The Dragon Reborn is an all-consuming identity. Perrin's can cope... Like, he's seen Elias. That's true. Elias exists. Elias is an and. It's like a, you know, 60-40 and, but it's still an and. Rand, god damn it, there's no... There's very, very little room for Randall Thor Shepard. I think... And there's very little room for Randall Thor. 
He already has people calling him by his previous name. He has Lanfear calling him by his previous name. And all the Forsaken and probably the Dark One. And... That's, well, that's just because they're dumb and they've been in but prison carries, for so long. But he also carries all of the weight from Luz Theron. Yeah. The dragon is feared because of Luz Theron. Rand is feared because of the dragon, not even the dragon reborn. To say nothing of the prophecies. He's got all this baggage from his previous life and baggage from things that he has to do. It'll be a struggle for him to find room for just Rand Thor. But I think that in some moments he will still be able to. And I think it... Hopefully. Because here we see the first of a lot of him kind of buckling under the pressure of being the dragon. But I think in the moments where, you know, he sneaks off into a corner to make out with Elaine, he's just Rand. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Elaine is a good middle. Like, I think I agree that Elaine is a good middle because she's able to just flip between him being Rand and him being the dragon. She's used to it. She does that. Yeah. She's like, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm the daughter heir. Sometimes I'm just Elaine and I want to make out in a dark corner. Right. (laughs) That's fair. Fair. Yeah. Everyone wants to make out in a dark corner. I guess. Teenagers. Every teenager wants to make out. I only want to make out in well-lit, not corners. That's not true. That's not true. That's weird. Don't, don't worry about me. <laughs> Let's do some recurring segments. Before we do recurring segments, there is one last thing, and Rand has decided he's going to try to leave. That is, yeah. uh, that's how that section ends. He's like, I'm going to leave tomorrow. And Maureen's yeah. like, that is a good idea. Where are you going to go? I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you in the next section. <laughs> Cliffhanger? Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger for the beginning of a book. Yeah. Where are they going to go? We don't know. Who knows? Now we can do recurring segments. Okay. Auras. Literally none. Uh, yeah, I don't think there was any... Min wasn't. Min and Egwene weren't point of view characters in this, so there's no prophecies. Egwene was. Egwene was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who wasn't? Who if they, if they were in the stone, they were probably a point of view character, except for Matt and Perrin. We okay. Got a, we, we, got, we got four that, of them. We got that weird omniscient sort of in their POV yeah. section. But... There was no new auras and nothing that got confirmed. No. So we still have, like, I'm running through the list in my head, and I don't think we got any hints at already existing prophecies. Nope. Ship updates. The Rand slash Elaine is official. Mm -hmm. It is canon. Yep. It happened. I don't not ship it, but, like, it's a little insta-lovey for me. Yeah. I like the slow burn. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I really just want on-page Laniv. Is that too much to ask? Yes. No. Really? It shouldn't be. There's a lot of pages. Some of them could be dedicated to Laniv. It literally, I would have been more okay if there was literally just a, a paragraph in the weird omniscient thing that was <laughs> actually from Nynaeve's. Like, why did why do we have Elaine telling us about Nynaeve? I want Nynaeve telling us about Nynaeve. It can just be a paragraph. That's cool. I just want a paragraph. That's not too much to ask. Sure. It's rude. Okay. <laughs> what was your favorite moment? I think the Rand and Elaine scene. Which one? The one of the one with them sneaking around or No, the first one with okay. like making him all flustered and Yeah. It was a good kiss scene. Which so was, far Which Elaine... I was I was pleasantly surprised at the well writtenness of the kiss scene. Yeah. Like it was a little bit like it could have been better. But I'm I read it's a romance. Book. I read romance novels and the fantasy the fantasy outside of this that i read is fantasy romance so yeah. but like for a straight up fantasy novel pretty good 
And unsurprisingly, so far of everybody in the series, Elaine is the best at flirting. Yes. She probably has the only experience. Other than maybe Fael. I think Lana solidly last, just from the <laughs> I don't want to give you morning clothes as your wedding present. That yeah. is the opposite of flirting, my dude. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, it's just not, it's not good. No. It's not a way to get somebody to like you, although it worked for Nynaeve. It's a way to get Nynaeve to like you. Tell her you, tell her she can't. And God damn it, she's going to. And I mean, even my knees flirting game is kind of good because she's wearing his favorite colors. Yeah. She's cooking him food. Yeah, Lan is Lan is like a one on the flirting scale. We love him for it, though. Lan is like, don't love me. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> a step above him would be Lan is Lan is like, if you if you love me, you will make me feel guilty about killing myself. It's not even you'll feel guilty about me killing myself. <laughs> I'll feel guilty about killing myself. He's got some advanced guilt going on. Irish mothers would be very proud of him. Oh, my God. <laughs> a step above him is Loyal. Loyal's not very good at flirting in no. the one instance that he did. but it. <laughs> Loyal's endearing, though. Loyal is so honest and straightforward that you can't help but like him. I still... Can't stop thinking about the one interaction he had with the girl over Yeah. Yeah. It was good. That was pretty good, though, because they both kind of geeked out. They did, and she gave him a flower, and he put it behind his ear, and it was just cute. Yeah. I miss Loyal. We need him on the page. (laughs) We do need Loyal. Yes. So what was your favorite moment? Rand trying to revive the girl. Yeah. It, It shows a limit for the one power. We haven't seen very many of them other than raw power. Uh, Rand can't do everything, and it's really the first time Rand has been straight up defeated. Rand lost there, and it's the first time we've seen it. Yeah. And how he handled it was not great, but it wasn't the worst, especially for what he was trying to do. Yeah. He, He just is resigned, and he's got a lot more ahead of him. He does so much. Rand more. is not in for good times. I mean, there's ten more books. There's so. ten more books. Well, ten and a half, ten and three quarters more books. Yeah. All right. Well, this was episode two. More chapters of the book, and so many points of view. Chapters four through ten. Four through ten. And Six more chapters, which is just slightly more than the number of POVs in this section alone, and fewer than the total points of view for the whole book, I think. Okay. Because there were six in the first section and another five here. If so many <laughs> This is why I read romance. But next se- next section is chapters 11 through 17. Yeah. Bye. Bye.